Hey everyone, this is Wes. And this is sometimes Jeremy. And this is the original side scroller where two nerds meet up and we discuss books. This week on the docket, we are discussing Name of the Wind by Patrick Rothfuss, a very good, a classic book already. Um, so why don't we just dive right into it? So, yeah. Jeremy, how's the road to Tinue? <laughs> it goes on. I'm I'm guided by the waystones. Um no, uh, as as we said in the the sort of the the trailer or the opening podcast, like um, this is a, this is a great book. It's a great story. Um, it's if you haven't read it and you're listening to this, there will be spoilers. Um, and if you haven't read it yet and are going to, we apologize um, for you joining the the hordes of people waiting for the third book. <laughs> we have been waiting. For it's only been decade. ten years. It's only been ten years. No big deal. Yeah. Well, yeah. it's really, really interesting. Wes and I were were uh, before we were recording um, the other day. We were talking about how, like, from the time that the main character Quoth arrives at the university to when we see him as an innkeeper, sort of washed up and broken, is only about ten years. So, you know, he, he's had as long as his story is quite <laughs> part of it. So come on, man. No, anyway, um, no, we wanted to, uh, and, and, uh, go through, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a long book with, uh, with a good complex story. And so we yeah, wanted to break it. 700 pages, right? Yeah. We wanted to, and, yeah. We wanted over. to break it up by talking about the beginning, which happens in the present. Um, and then sort of split up um, how Quoth is telling his story, focusing sort of on his like childhood before this traumatic, hugely traumatic event, um, his sort of orphaned, um, orphaned state in um, a city in, in Tarbin, and then his his journey to and his time at at the university, at least in 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 book one. So that's sort of the structure, and we'll be bringing out themes and ideas um, as we move through each of those parts, and in the end, just sort of just talk about it all. And um... so, while we start out with discussing just Pajarathus's just general absurd skill at writing, because he opens up the book with describing silence. Which is a little absurd, <laughs> but it's great. It's great. <laughs> you break silence just... down into three parts. Yeah. It describes how everything is silent. And it does it makes sense. Um and it shows it's a great way to start this book because it just shows the reader immediately what they're getting into when it comes to the level of writing with this. I mean, there's parts of the books where it's just as plain is descriptive this is what's happening blah 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 and then it just slips into such detail and almost poetic imagery that it's just it's mind-boggling to me at certain points mm. um and he slips in and out of this just seamlessly yeah um when it comes to mm. even the chapters where he is cope the innkeeper trying to get by day to day a man who's waiting to die um where it, the perspective i'm not good with literary stuff what is that perspective is the third person 
omnipresent or whatever. When we're looking at when we're looking at coach, like yeah. in the present. So coach is quoth in the present. He's changed his name. Um uh and we know this, but um uh that would be a, yeah, it's third person. Um I would say yeah, it is third person omniscient because we do see both sort of we don't necessarily see what quote coach is thinking, but we also see other characters. So actually, it's more yeah. See, it is like a, a, a um, an omniscient sort of narrator. Um, okay. Because we, yeah, because there are those scenes between when when coach is not present and we still see the action going on. Mm. So yeah, um, but it generally is from his sort of perspective. Um, yeah. And during these chapters, we're just seeing his day to day life and everything. Uh, we're meeting a couple of the present day characters. Quoth. Bast and the Chronicler, and the uh, which are fun characters. They're yeah. fun. I enjoy them a lot, and it, it's it's a great way to set it up because we're seeing how the world is. He, he, Patrick Rothis does this thing where he really likes just throwing tons and tons of questions at us, like why is the world like this? What's yeah. going on? What does that well, mean? And then he's so, not really addressing it. And then before he answers the questions. He moves us into something completely different, and we almost completely forget about said questions. <laughs> yeah, so he the details that he puts in, and like the things he references, both maybe like with a with a name or with an idea. He's he is, is world building is is definitely what he's doing. He's doing a, a good job with it. Like the first line of the book. So, it was night again. The way Stone Inn lay in silence, and it was a silence of three parts. And then he goes on to describe the you know these the. So what's really interesting about this is having now read the books, you know, a couple times, um, night is the, it's when the Fae is closest. Um, and you, and, and like, this is something, so like, and there's something presently going on that has something to do with the Fae in the present, but we're not, not, not entirely sure what the Waystone Inn. The waystone is the graystones that um, that he that are scattered throughout the land that mark old roads, and like what Wes asked me earlier, like the road to Tenui. Like this is a saying because there's a long, one long unbroken great stone road that cuts straight across the country, and goes nowhere in the present, and so. Where did it once go? Why is it there? All these are questions. Um, and they're, it's marked by waystones. Um, and it was a silence of three parts. Like silence is the opposite of naming and naming is one of the major magic systems. Like, like the true sort of magic magic um, in, in the world. And so like in that first line, he's building his world already. Now we don't know any of that stuff until we've, you know, read two thousand pages. <laughs> but, um, you know, it, it's a, it's just a, it just to demonstrate, like, you know, this this is an author who has has a sense of like epic storytelling and and details to be woven through, and that really fits also, I think, with um, with Quoth as a character. Because he is he's he's a he's a bard, he's a musician, he's a storyteller um throughout all of his sort of life. Um and so when he's telling his story in in um flashback, 
uh, it makes sense that like this attention to words and to language and all this stuff, um, it fits with the character. It fits with Patrick Rothfuss' writing style. Um, and I, I, I applaud it. Like it, it's, it's great. He needs to finish it. Yeah. <laughs> Let's, we'll, we'll try not to bring back our, yeah. our sourness about that constantly. Cause I mean, people have been doing that on podcasts and YouTube and stuff for years about just bitching about the time frame. It'll come out uh, hopefully yeah. eventually. And yeah. And when I'll, it does, I'll be there we knocking won't... on the door at midnight going, Hey, where's my book? Whenever. Exactly. But uh, so. oh yeah, so the the beginning of the book is it happens in the present. Um, Cote quoth as a broken man of you know mid twenties, so he's he's still quite young. Um, is an innkeeper in a one horse village essentially, um, and there's some sort of war going on, and there are demon like spiders. On the loose, yeah, as as there are, <laughs> as there are, as there um, are, and it's uh, um, you like, and Coat has something to do with it, and he says at one point to Bast his sort of, um, or he says under his breath when somebody mentions like, or when the, when the, like the a villager is attacked by it, it kills his horse, he he escapes and. Whatnot, but he says like they can't, they couldn't have made it this far west or something like that. Like, so he he obviously knows about what's going on, but the reader doesn't know. So that that in that way, we're sort of limited in our information. Um, but the story itself, I guess, kicks off because he is he's found hiding in this village. He is found by somebody who is looking for him who wants to essentially interview him for his life story yeah the chronicler chronicler yeah who yeah. uh um well i guess we can talk about this later it's revealed at the end of the book but i guess it fits into the beginning because bast has brought him there so this bast is quoth's student he is part of the fae so he's a magical being um in impersonating a human being impersonating you know just just a man um and uh he he's been giving out hints that that quoth is in this village you know passing traders and whatnot hoping that somebody will come and wake him up out of this sort of trauma um that he that he's in yes he yeah he he is he's a shell of man as wes said earlier so that first opening prologue um closes with um the waystone, the waystone was his, just as the third silence was his. This is appropriate, as it was the greatest silence of the three, wrapping the others inside itself. It was deep and wide as autumn's ending. It was heavy as a great river smooth stone. It was patient. Cut, it was the patient cut flower sound of a man who is waiting to die. And that's quote, waiting to die, instead of doing something about the world and the crap that's going on. So the chronicler comes. <laughs> the chronicler comes. They tell the story. Um, it, it was a fun chapters and everything like that. There was a lot of description and a lot of stuff to really get us hooked in this book. Yeah. Uh, what could it be? And who is this guy? And what he's accomplished? And why is such a big myth and such a big deal? And Patrick really wants this character 
to be something big because that's the whole point of the book is yeah. this guy and he's a hero like in a quotation marks yeah. <laughs> we, we we don't know yeah um yes he, he has like heroic there's something heroic about his stories that people tell um already like it's not that i mean he could be a, a villain people are telling <laughs> that but this, we don't know what he's done and how he's actually is viewed he, he's just viewed yeah. as a mythical creature at this point mm -hmm. um someone that may or may not have existed that to some degree um he, he's become a thing of legend within 10 years um from the age of 15 to 25 he just became something Mm -hmm. we don't know what quoth the arcane the bloodless the king killer all of these names that he has now mm -hmm. so um so when it comes to quoth as a whole and i i it, it's very ambitious what he's doing with this character and patrick i keep saying patrick i just want to say i don't know the author rothfuss whatever um is really Patty? going through a lot with this guy he wants him to be pretty much the jack of all trades, the guy who does it all. When you're looking at this guy's backstory, it's it's like he pulled out the D&D &D player's handbook, flipped to the back page where it says backgrounds, took all of them and just shoved them into this guy. <laughs> so I mean, true. it's it's absurd. He, yep. he's, he's a bard. He is uh, uh, skilled at pickpocking and picklocking. And he, was a, he was a hermit for a while. He was he a was hermit. He was an outlander. He was yes. A he traveled around. He travels around a bunch. Yeah. He, he's a scholar. He, yeah. he is a he is a, a magician. He he's he's a little bit of everything. He he, he and this, in book two he learns how to fight. I mean, the, yeah. the guy is a little bit of everything. Well, and this is seen in like when he's talking to the chronicler, like um, he you know before he tells his story, he wants to make sure that it's going to be told faithfully as he tells it. He doesn't want it to be perverted by this dude for his own ends. And so he tests him um, in how he is going to be recording it. And so, because this guy has invented a, a way to write down marks that signify any sounds that the human being can make. Yeah, extreme shorthand. <laughs> yeah, extreme shorthand. And, and then can record in like other languages, even languages he doesn't know because it, he's just recording sounds rather than, um, the, you know, Actual words. words. And so, you know, quoth, um, learns it in 50 in like 10 minutes yeah you know to, to just be like this guy is super smart and his mind is incredible and yeah. you know so that that's and that's something that prodigy he's yeah. just dear god this guy is everything and usually that would just irk me <laughs> but yeah. like, I, think, I mean it's quote I, well and i think like as as i'm especially since what well, we i read read reread the first book for for this podcast and then just started on the second and in the second at the very beginning it's actually quite he's he's emphasizing his flaws a bit more um like mm -hmm. he has a really short temper um you know poverty poverty isn't a flaw it's not a character flaw but it is one of his limitations um that he that he's been given in the story like yes he's limited by his lack of resources his lack of connections um, so he's essentially like he's isolated in his pursuit of greatness and he has to overcome these sort of limitations. But one of his one of his character flaws is he's he 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 is has a temper and he is impatient um, and he's quick to act and slow to 
consider and like several people bring this up like oh yeah in in book one um when he's showing we're getting ahead of ourselves on this one this book one where he's showing one of the masters his first lamp they built one of the quotes that the uh killed tells him is a moment in the mind is worth nine in the fire i thought that was a great little quote yeah yeah (laughs) that just describes what this character needs is just a moment to sit back and be like "Mm, maybe (laughs) just Mm -hmm. that kind of thing that time to Um, to reflect on on what he's doing and also like what he wants really um and we'll we'll talk about this actually let's let's wait on that until we get to the tragic event um that sort of defines the you know why this is happening he's got the batman backstory his parents were brutally murdered and now he's out for revenge like absolutely it's it's he's got a little bit of everything yeah um oh batman's great but both us batman the way he treats the way he treats his cloak is how batman treats his utility belt i think that's fair yeah I mean, I wish cloaks were a thing of style. I'd wear a cloak. So um, they are if you're like ordained clergy in the Anglican or Roman Catholic Church. So. Are they just a straight up cloaks? I mean, it's not anything like. You wear them like a take... robe or anything. It's a cloak. It's, you wear them outside when you're taking funerals outside. They're absolutely. Well, when you're taking funerals. I mean, that's well, not like every day. Maybe like walking around your little parish, you know, where your church is. <laughs> in your cloak that everybody would be like who died today i mean exactly who did die today all right (laughs) (laughs) it was you um (laughs) yeah quote the quote has little pockets they sews inside of it and it's it's fantastic i i would i would rock that um and then immediately get shot by the police for being suspicious (laughs) no i i I think you'd be okay with the police wes (laughs) you know for obvious reasons. All right. Um, <laughs> so, Quoth's actual backstory, its origin. Let's get into it. He is yeah. a member of the Edema Root, which is a traveling band of performers. And not like not like how most people would view things like gypsies or anything like that nowadays. It would be more like... It's more like a respectable circus and, and, and Shakespeare company. Yes, like the Maybe travel these around. People are, yeah, yeah. So, but yet at the same time, in multiple points throughout the book, people do bash the Ademaru. Yeah, so I think it's interesting. Like the first when he's telling his story, um, his childhood it seems pretty idyllic in terms like he has a lot of freedom. He has this big group of of people, his parents and others who are very very close to him, and they travel around. And whenever he needs to like know something, so like later he like knows how to like, you know, see a horse and and you know um, judge its worth and you know saddle it and all this stuff. And he's like, oh yeah, I learned that when I was when I was a trooper. When I yeah, there's even like, a part of the book where he does literally list what he's learned from other people. I learned how to dance from this person. I learned how to throw knives from this person. I'm like, oh my god, all right, yeah. <laughs> like, so it, it's it's a bit and whenever whenever Rothfuss needs oh he needs to know how to do this it's obviously he learned it as a child in his traveling troupe of of, of circus performers I, I get it it's like D and D like you want your character to do something the DM's like well how does your character know how to do that well well he learned it from his <laughs> it's, indeed you know your backstory gets just longer and longer um, exactly the backstory is absurd on this character yeah 
But yeah, so that's uh, you know, the the Ademaru are this, and yeah, this this sort of wandering nomadic group who are are persecuted in some places in the world, and that that's pretty obvious. Um, uh, and his reaction to this sort of racial slur um, that is used against him at several points it points to like there's there's some deep seated animosity um, and and how. The his in the history of the the Ademaru. It's such a great little backstory for this character too, because I mean we've read a lot of fancy, we've read a lot of sci-fi. I can't think of a performer as the main character. Like I, I can't think of any books where the the overall hero, his roots is he carries around a lute and plays music. I mean, it, it's such a unique kind of origin and personality trait. I mean, I think, nobody thinks of the bard as the big hero. I mean, no, the bard's always that weird guy who just sits off to the side. You're like, can you, can you not play that music right now? We're trying yeah. to kill this thing. Like yeah. it's. <laughs> no, um, and I think that what I said, like, I think it really fits with how Rothfuss writes as well, because this, this is somebody who's memorized, like the growth as a character is like memorized plays and poems and songs and has a, has a way with language. And so when, it switches as Koth is telling his story into like first person. His his beauty with language is then understandable. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, ah, yes, you, you you would say things in a beautiful way because you've been trained as a performer. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that helps to make sense of of that. Um, but things do not stay happy and idyllic for our young plucky hero. Well, before um, we get to that, we do have to bring up one other character. We though. do have to bring up one other character, a very important character, who we might meet again in book three. Because... I hope so. We better. He hints in book one that he does. Right? Like, he won't see, he doesn't see Ben for many, many years. Yeah. So Ben, yeah, so Ben is this guy that the tr- the troop, the traveling troop picks up. Um, the Demaru isn't a race. It, it, it's more of a lifestyle, if that makes sense. Um... <laughs> All right. Well, because like Ben yeah. joins and becomes like a member of the family, like mm-hmm. he's loved and respected. And what he wants to get when he when he eventually meets a, a widow that he's going to marry and become a brewer for this town. And he's sent he's sent off with like a massive like party because, you know, this is a, a member of the family leaving. So I think that's really and it shows sort of this open, a closed yet open community like not everyone could join, but like if you're the right character of person, they they take you in. Um, but uh, yeah, Ben Ben is a uh, member of the Arcanum, which is the magic school um, at the university. The 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 people who have gone through, gone th- like there's initiates. Like there are people who are just showing up to the university, and if they're good enough, they make it into the Arcanum. And so Ben is a trained arcanist who knows magic and begins to teach quoth magic magic and science i think that's an yeah. important thing to stress as well i mean chemistry just mathematics uh history geometry mm-hmm. the whole big spiel like they, they are they are intellectuals yeah um it's just the way that rothis has designed the magic system in this world is it is a very scientific mm-hmm. magic system and then there's the mystical magic system of naming, which yep. that's a whole big 
ordeal when it comes to the book. Um, it's a fun concept. I like it. It's a little complex and wrought this when it comes to a lot of fancy books, some people address magics in means of I'm going to hammer down these exact rules. This is how it works. It's going to be clear. You're going to have a nice, precise understanding of it. Or authors will generally approach it of this is magic. This is how it works. It's not going to make sense, but you're going to accept it because that's just how it is. That's, that's the world. That That's just how it is. I mean, they're not going to go. It, it's it, They make a complex magic system that they really don't even bother listing out how it works mm -hmm. it's just it works because it works mm -hmm. and that's kind of what rothis is doing here he explains the core concept of the magic system but then the nitty-gritty of it um he just leaves completely vague yeah um, which is fine he's trying to get on to bigger and better things and just kind of use it as a he did this using this i accept it even though i don't know how yeah um and it's fun. It's it's a big mental ordeal. And that chapter with Ben teaching him the mind games and tricks and like that, it's a lot of fun. And it sets up a lot of core things for the character yeah. for the rest of the book. Like that, this chapter here of just Abinthi Ben teaching Quoth is one of the very vital points of the, of the book because mm -hmm. it sets up so much of just how quote is able to do what he does yeah it addresses him his it addresses his intelligence his memory um it addresses even just his quick nimble fingers <laughs> um by introducing concepts of like the alar which yep. is a mental state the capability of separating actual truths to belief truths like the objective world that you see yeah. And the world as you will it to be. Yes. So yeah, so yeah, this this mental state of like suspending belief. It suspending belief in what you see in order to impose a belief of what you want. Yes. If that makes sense. That does make yes. sense. Yes, that's the alarm. Yeah. And his is really good. Yeah, he he develops a extremely good alarm. Of course he does. He's the main guy. Um, this is going to be a I'm the best kind of book opposed to i'm the main character but you're gonna see me goof oh. through everything yeah. um and the fight and the my tricks are fun i i've actually attempted some of these i i i can't do it like it's one of the practice games you can't hide a stone in your mind and then have another part of your mind go look for it i just can't do it i mean oh my god that is such a headache oh <laughs> i would love to though it's great you can always entertain yourself. Yeah. Yeah. No, so this is like, uh, yeah, he's, he does really, really well with Ben sort of teaching him. And then he is doing something um, and he's coming close to his parents' wagon, you know, one time where Ben... And he overhears them talking and everything about going to the university. and Well, and, and that's where he sort of like comes out. Like Ben Ben has recognized that this, that this child, this 10 or 11-year-old at the time, is is a is a prodigy is a genius like he wants to know when did he learn how to play the instrument like play you know play the lute you know when did he when did he talk um he doesn't he learns things very quickly you don't need to he makes a mistake once and then once you correct it he doesn't make it again like sort of like talking up this 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 child's intelligence and and abilities 
and his parents recognize it as well, but they don't know they don't know what to do like with him. And so Ben is the one who's like, there would be a place for him at the university. Like, so, um, and when Ben leaves, he gives him a book, which I also think this also, and maybe another one of Ben Coates character flaws. Um, he gives them a, him a book on argumentation, um, on like rhetoric and logic and stuff, because Quoth doesn't make arguments. Like he doesn't like, tried to convince someone. He doesn't try to persuade people. He just acts and, you know, and the chips fall where they, where, where they fall in, in that, in, in that sort of way, um, which comes back in um, at the beginning of book two, he gets in trouble with Devi uh, quite severely because he doesn't make an art. He doesn't actually try to persuade her. He just acts without thinking. Hmm. And so this is a character, this is like the temper and the acting without thinking are two major sort of character flaws um, that, that he has, besides this brilliance and this, you know, a mind like no other. Blood. Full ordeal. Yeah. And now we're coming to the, uh, the event. The events, the big, yeah. the big, the, the Batman, the, the, the opera scene. Yeah. You, uh, I mean, um, so Quoth's, Quoth's father uh, is, is like the master bard. And he goes around and he collects stories about these this this group of people called the Chandrian. 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 That's how I pronounce it. I, I yeah. don't know how. You know, a, a group of a group of mythical, but people stories people the boogeyman like essentially like they come in the night and they you know, they rot iron and they there's blue flames and they kill cows and they'll take you away and blah blah blah. And there's and they're, different- they're held in such perfect mystery so far because yeah. we don't know what they're really capable of doing. So, I mean, yeah, it, it, it's it, they're great bad guys because we don't know how much of a threat they actually are. Well, except um, we do. <laughs> we do, we do, but we don't know to like the big grand scale of it all. Yeah, that's true. We don't like we, we, how we, is how is Quoth going to beat them in the end and mm-hmm. blah, 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 blah. Yeah. So you. um his his dad is his uh, quote's father is, is putting together a song about them a story about who they are where they've come from trying to piece together the true story and um he and everyone is killed for it because they show up and really murdered and they kill everyone um except quoth because um so yeah so quoth is off playing in the woods um and his parents are you know which, which should be a sign right there. If, if oh, the yeah. kid ever wanders off to play on his own, you know something terrible is going to happen when he comes back. <laughs> yep. He comes back and everyone has been killed. Um, and there's blood everywhere. And, and anyway, and there are these seven, eight people um, around his parents' fire, like laughing and eating and um, whatnot. And they see him and one, one is going to go kill him. But then... Uh, he sort of stopped. Um, his name is Cinder. Um, and he's listening to this guy, Hollyax, who seems to be in charge. And he's going to, he's, he is going, he's, he, he tells him to stop tormenting the boy because he's like playing with him and, you know, like, you know, tor- you know tormenting like emotionally. And he says, just, you know, just, you know, put him out of his misery. Like, you know, you know, kill him. Um, but before he can, um they sense the coming of something that scares them and they sort of disappear into like the shadow of 
Hollyox's cloak and they magically transport away. And Quoth is left in the the ruins of his life. Um, there's a lot that goes on in that scene that's a lot of larger world implied. Um, like there's some sort of there's two forces at least who are battling like these the Chandrine and someone else who we sort of begin to assume is a group called the Emir um, or, 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 or a smaller sect of them um, who are sort of like chasing down this, this group of evildoers who have been around for a very, very long time. Um, that much is sort of obvious. Um, and we can talk more about that when we get to Tarbine. But anyway, um, because of the trauma, Quoth sort of loses it for a while. Yeah, I didn't know because I've I've read this book a couple of times, but it's been years, and I didn't really know to the extent of how Patrick throughout this uh, handled the trauma. And I think it was really well done reading through the second time. I mean, this this he completely turns inward and shells up, um, and just lives for bare minimum. I mean, he, he's just trying to survive. Um, he's not even doing anything he's just acting out instinct really a a certain degree there he's not figuring out like well what should i do next and blah 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 like he's literally just on autopilot he is become a shell of a human being yeah um and he has the only thing his father's loot and that's the only thing he does he just plays music all day because He doesn't even know what else to do with his time. And he um, only comes out of it because the loot the loot strings break one by one. Yes. And so he learns to play the lute, which is a seven-stringed instrument. After one string breaks, he learns to play with six. Another one breaks, he learns to play with five. And then that other that that fifth string breaks, and he goes, Well, that's officially too much. And at that point, he goes on to rejoin society because he needs more strings for his he needs more strings. Yep, absolutely. And even at the same time, he's not even thinking; he's just yep. doing. He, yep. He's like, I, he doesn't have any money. Yep. He doesn't have any shoes. He's he's, he's literally he has, not. He has the book from Ben and yes. his father's loot. That's all he has, and he just goes. He just, I need strings, and then just goes as a zombie. Like it's. And it even continues on. That takes about, I think, six months. I think he's in the wilderness like that. And yeah, the closest city that they make it to, that he makes it to, is Tarbian, uh, which is apparently a massive city. This thing is huge, like Paris. I don't know. The thing is gigantic. It's a big one. Um, I don't know if it's the it's it's not the biggest city in the world, but it's the biggest. But it's supposedly city big in yeah. the area. Yeah. Yeah. It's not a little thing. No. And it's a um, six-day journey from there to the university, so which is sort of like a, a little town, um, sort of out in a yeah. distance. So, um, no, yeah. So Tarbine, <clears throat> excuse me, in Tarbine, things go from bad to worse for him. Um, he he has to pawn the book. Um, no, no, that happens at the end. No, that happens much later. That yeah, happens right. much later. Um, well, anyway, the loot the loot breaks, um, gets smashed pretty much immediately. <laughs> yeah, yep. And um, and then he ends up living on a rooftop for a couple years. Um, gets beat up several times. Uh, 
And this is where Patrick is developing the backstory of the thief. Yeah. And the street urchin backstory. Yeah. Because he learns how to steal things. And he learns how to survive in the streets of Tarbian. And his feet develop such intense calluses. He doesn't need shoes. And um, we, we, we get introduced to a few fun little characters. I forget the guy's name, but the old man that helps the kids down in the basement. I forget his name as well. But also not old. Like, apparently this dude is like in his 30s. Oh, is he? Oh, I completely missed the understood no, that. He, uh, he's heavily portrayed as an old man. Like, but but at one point, like, quote, hush, hush, person. what, what? Yeah, he says that a lot. More... So you know something's slightly off with him because he just mutters that a lot. Well, he's 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 comforting the children who are like either they're some of them are like handicapped, some of them are are just really sick. Um, but he's a priest of of this this religion this one of the religions it's the dominant one of the area um uh where the god telu to something like that anyway um is essentially a definitely has like a jesus sort of story which we learn where he like is born to this woman um from himself and then kills all of the demons except there's one demon he can't take out unless he kill unless he sacrifices himself yeah in canis yeah and so Which, he does he does that to save the people throughout the book telu is mentioned here and there throughout the book we haven't seen so much for in canis and i don't know how big of a impact those two folklore mythological gods or whatever are it's going to have on the actual book as a whole yeah we don't know yet um, yeah, it's it's interesting. He he keeps bringing up these other things, and we don't know if they're tied together or if they're just going to be. We don't know what he's going to do with them. Yeah. So one of the other things, like, and the the the, the church though, the church of Telu is a, seems to be portrayed as a pretty corrupt sort of institution, um, um, except for like the, the standout priest who takes care of street children um, and protects them when he can. Um, and uh, recognize like when Quoth, like you know, does a bunch take takes a bunch of action to become like respectable enough to go to the university. Um, you know, getting new clothes and a shower and all this stuff that happens. Um, he um, like he recognizes him, and that's like a really sort of powerful moment for him. Like you know, this this person really has seen me, and even and he he he's like. You know, not many people get away. So, you know, go with my blessing and live your life sort of sort of moment. Um, I think like the other in terms of the larger world thing that's important in Tarbine is Scarpy. Yeah, Scarpy. I can't wait till we get back to this character, which he right? still doesn't show up by book two. No, we still haven't seen Scarpy by book two. We know he's out there. We know he's doing something because in the early, early chapters were mentioned that the Chronicler like works for Tar Scarpy or knows him at least. His student knows him at the very least. Yeah. And he's actually looking for Quoth, but he's also on his way to meet Scarpy. Yeah. Um, he Quoth gives him three days that he's gonna will require for him to tell his story. And Scarpy was supposed to meet no Chronicler was supposed to meet Scarpy. In like three days, so yep. it, he's he's cutting it real close on that one. But this character is a storyteller. Yeah, 
and it's and seems to give us a potential because he he'll tell any story that someone asks for um for like um or if if you don't know if you if you ask for a story he doesn't know he gives you something so a bunch of street children come and they try to get you know they they get stories told and they try to find you know to like win some money or something it's not a lot but for a street child it's fine um but uh he at quoth asks about um Monray or Liner. I don't know how you're supposed to pronounce this guy's name. Yeah, but like one of the one of the people who seems to be connected, like a, a story his father loved or something like that. But also in the telling, seems to be connected to the to the the Chandrin, um, in in how and how it's woven together. So there there's this story that we get that might be a glimpse of like a deeper history. Um, and it's seemingly blasphemous because um, the church comes to arrest him um, on charges of blasphemy, but he's like, oh, don't worry about it. And obviously he's fine because he's mentioned later, he's mentioned in the present day as like going to meet up with the chronicler. But like, and this was the first headache for me in the book. This was the one part I was like, wait, 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 wait a second. Because essentially, Quoth's family is murdered because the song that his father wrote was about Lanra or whatever. Yeah. And it's just a small snippet of the story. He only he, he does he sings the song and a small taste of it. Yeah. Um and then he's murdered and they say someone's parents have been singing entirely the wrong songs. So and then Scarpy goes around and in Tarbian yeah. and just tells the whole stupid story. So, like it says exactly that has been addressed in the song. I went back and checked. I can't yeah. see any real difference in between the song and the story, and everything's fine. <laughs> so my question is, like, what? So obviously he he's not afraid of the church um, at all. Um, he seems to be pretty a pretty powerful figure. Um, he seems to know his history quite well. Um, I'm wondering if he's actually one of like the 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 inner group of the Amir. So I can get around, get away with saying that kind of stuff. Right. No, exactly. And like, and like if the church, like like the, a normal sort of low church official who, you know, is coming to arrest him on charges of blasphemy, isn't going to know that, but then he's going to be like, yo, 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 this is who I am. You know, do you want to, you know, suck you, it. <laughs> exactly. Um, your career is over. <laughs> um but um, my taxes pay for your job now. Uh, he could be one of the one of the guys that the Sandrine are afraid of, um, or who or who you know they don't want to battle for whatever reason, whether they might lose or it would just be too costly or or whatever. Um, that was my thought. Um, I think it's a pretty good thought. I I, I think there's some there's, there's some something logic behind that. Yeah. I mean, I went back and reread that song multiple times. I sat there for a minute just thinking about it. And I just, I can't, between the song and the story, there isn't much. It's got to be Scarpy as a character. Uh, yeah. Not nothing. Yeah, it's not about how he tells it or anything like that. But actually, yeah, who this person is, who is telling it. And the quote's father is just some traveling musician who yeah, has so stumbled upon. Take that guy out. Yeah, who's just stumbled upon, and it's really interesting because Halli Halliax says to Cinder, you know, says to Cinder when he's trying to control him, like, 
who protects you from the emir, the singers, and the sithe, whoever they are, um, or whatever, or whatever that is. The sithe. Uh, S i t h e. Oh, okay. Okay. It's the only place the word shows up. Have no idea what he's talking about. But oh. um, well, you know the, the the Amir and the and the the singers. You know that that makes sense. Um, but um, it's an interesting. So like, so who is Scarpy? He is someone we'll meet again at some point in book three or four, depending. <laughs> um, but I think that's the and then and then like that sort of takes Quoth out of his sort of stupor of just sort of surviving in the town. And now he has, he has a destination and he's now like, Oh, I need, I need to go learn more about what happened. And he sort of like begins to unpick the trauma. He hasn't thought about his parents like consciously, like he he's repressed those memories, but the song begins to open his memories back up and he realizes I need to go do something. I need to go, I need to go learn. I need to, I need to move on. I need to, I need to get to the university. It's not really a revenge story. It's more like, I just want to understand story. And then he's not seeking this out to stop them. He's not seeking out to do anything. He just wants to know why his parents were killed for this. And and if, and if the chance comes that he, that he can. Oh, I'm sure he would. I mean, (laughs) let's get him. Uh, Yeah. And we know that's where the story eventually is going. It's not gonna be, yeah, maybe. <laughs> no, but so he goes to the university. Yeah, uh, we've been going for like forty-five minutes, and we're just getting to the university. <laughs> oh my god! Ugh. Sorry about that, folks. Um, that, that backstory there—that just well, there's a lot there, and we haven't like, and he's like, so now, now like the story is. He set up all the backstory. Now, now it's really going to start. Like, like, here's where the story really is going to start. Yeah, this is where the myths and the legends and everything builds around yep. him. So no, no one like in some ways like no one knows up till now the story. Everyone only knows Quoth as the arcane. Like everyone knows Quoth from his from him at the university and beyond the stories that are told about him. I think that's really interesting as well because like he does come from nowhere. He's, you know, he has no family, he has no money, he has no he has no connections and all of a sudden this brilliant young student, you know, shows up and of course people are going to tell stories. Um especially after, you know, him being whipped and not bleeding which happens like in week 1 of him being there or something like that. Like yeah, something something drastic like that. Like it, it's it does not take long for him to pick uh, tick people off enough to have him publicly whipped. <laughs> yes, exactly. It, it it didn't take much. No, and it's a sign of this is a perfect example of him his impulsiveness. Yeah, because um, essentially he's just trying to explain to his professor that he deserves to be in a more advanced class. They already knows this stuff. Mm-hmm. As professor trying to have fun with a student yeah, at yeah. the student's expense. I ooh, that sounded wrong. Have fun ugh. Uh, at to student's extent. Be woke, ex- West. Be woke. <laughs> um, makes him teach a class and everything, and we, we see another example for the symmetry. That is it. So it's uh, called sympathy. 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 
uh, where he proceeds to burn the teacher's foot. Yeah. Yeah. He gets whipped. He takes a root, so and he doesn't promoted. bleed. And there's the bloodless name. I mean... Yeah. And he gets promoted. So, like, usually it takes people a couple a year to get promoted from, like, you know, you've just shown up to university, now you're going to be a member of the Arcanum. But because he does this, they're like, and now you're a member of the Arcanum. It took you two <laughs> like, All right, good job. Yay. Um, well, but I, I want to talk more of some of those stories at the university, but actually we, we forgot one important thing. Another sort so the he's the trauma has defined everything that happens before and yes. it will affect things that happen now. But then the other character who causes a lot of quotes impulsiveness, we are introduced to. Oh god. He meets her on the way to the university, and that's Denna. The love interest. The love interest. Yeah. Well, the toxic, the toxic relationship interest. I mean, I mean, is it really that toxic? I mean, we don't. <sighs> Thinking back on it, it's not really that toxic. I mean, she's she's with a couple of guys to find a patron um, and make money and make ends meet and everything, and they're they're having hard times running into each other. They're both trying I think to see it, each other. I I think where it, it in book. Now I'm in like into book two. Like, book two, it seems a little bit more toxic. <laughs> yeah, like, and also because I mean they're both getting it's it's been a year and a half. They're both a bit older. They they've known each other for a while. Um, Quoth has played a very slow game. It's like the one area where he's not impulsive. Yes, for whatever reason. Um, yeah. So that's anyway. Um, uh, but yeah, she she ends up defining a lot of the story and. There's hints hints that he has about she plays a major part in what has happened in the present. Oh, one second. We're gonna have to make make a male know that. Yep. Yeah, so yeah, like I said, there there's some um implications that she's involved somehow in like the present troubles. Um, mm-hmm. but it's not entirely clear like most of this like most of the wider implications that Rothfuss has woven into the story um but uh but yeah she's a she's a really important character sort of the love interest um and just someone who eludes quote's ability to understand and behave rationally to a degree exactly and she plays a large part she plays i think a, a bigger part in book two um, because, because of the whole thing, like when he leaves the university and goes to the city, the other city and she's there and blah, blah, blah. And anyway, that's, that, that's getting ahead of ourselves. But, um, so yeah, at the university, like she's, uh, you know, around, not around, like he's, you know, he's surprised when he first meets her there, but then she's, you know, doing stuff and, um, but he's having his adventures and learning how to be a magician. <laughs> they're a wizard harry um yeah i'm not even sure where we want to approach the university as a whole it's just this is the core of the book there's a lot of big stuff that's happening and it's a lot of fun little adventures mishap, mishaps he gains a rival so to speak or an enemy who um, is is his counter like he's he's a foil he's completely like Ambrose uh, Yakis is um, he's the the inheriting son of a baron, 
Um, so he's super, super rich, super connected. Um, buys an inn, but has a friend of his buy an inn so that Quoth can't work there. I mean, the dude, the dude is a is he's a jackass. Like, I mean, yeah. they make a song about him actually that he's that he is a jackass. Um, um, which he has to publicly write a letter to, of I thought this was you know he publicly writes this letter of apology, but includes like the whole song with like musical notation, adds a few verses, and like <laughs> it, it's it's such a it's just a fun thing. Yeah, just oh, it's so good. But and he and he's he's not he's not dumb, but he's not at the level of Quoth. Mm. At, by any stretch of the imagination um and if they had like a duel like i think quoth would take him apart but that obviously never happens because you know rich people pay other people to have their duels for them yeah pretty much yeah. and a lot um, of their like verbal arguments and everything quoth even quotes his trooper's tongue multiple times yeah um because he grew up with all these plays and music and poetry and stuff like that. Not even poetry. He even bashes poetry. His father bashed poetry. Yeah, well, po- poetry is that. like is is uh, is like words without their heart or something like that. Because music, ah, I forget so. what it is. It's, like, it's, it, yeah, it's one of these things. It's Rothbard showing off. Um, yeah, but uh, um, yeah, his entire book is pretty much on the level of poetry. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, I mean, it is this sort of like building up the character skills, the the sort of the, and also showing the 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 nature of the world. The archives is really interesting. The archives is this like why the university exists as a collection, the world's largest collection of books, and mm-hmm. in a world where there's not, where there doesn't seem to be a printing press, or maybe there is. Like it's it's hard to know. There is because he he gets he gets his apology printed. That's right. So. But maybe books are just still very expensive for whatever reason. It could be expensive or the university is just trying to um, keep like the original copies or they're, like just, they're just trying to yeah. take care of their thing. It, it's such a weird library because we're thinking, you know, big, massive library and everything. It's people go in, they read and everything, which is what it is, but it's also kept in complete pitch black. There's not allowed to be open flame. They had to take a little sympathy lamp in. Yeah. And it's it's just a way to preserve the books on such an extreme level. Yeah. Um, or we don't know if that's necessary or not. Like it's. Yeah. And then there's the four plated door in the in yeah. down there, which the, he wants to like is a door to nobody knows where. Um, it's or... probably the biggest tease that yeah. brought this is done in all the books and yeah. in, in the two books all the books in the two books well, is what is behind this four-plated door and help? everybody speculates yeah. about it it's it's yeah. the biggest tease yeah. and it, it's, it's just, just gonna be one. it's just gonna be the headmasters having tea i mean it's it's just their it's just their hangout spot well, i mean i, I don't <laughs> eladin eladin says to him at one point like because he asked about it or something and he says Oh yes, yes. That I, I I spent weeks trying to get into it or something like that when I was when I was a a student, and you know, Quoth says, "Well, so so, what's behind it?" What you know, he's like, "What you, you know?" He says, "Like, you know, you're you're only now of a rank where I can admit its its existence or something like." That. It's, 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 I mean, he's joking with him, but like, you know, it's really it's really funny. But um, 
No, the university, yeah, the archives are this this like compendium of all knowledge and that he's there to seek out information on the Amir and the Chandrine. Um, he gets banned he, immediately. He's banned immediately. <laughs> after he gets whipped, he tries to go into the archive because now he's a member of the Arcanum and Ambrose sort of tricks him into take because he's had this drug which has made his wits a little addled. So he's like tricked him into taking a candle. Um, and then he's discovered and then he's banned um, until eventually he goes up next to the next rank, the Raylar um, rank, because he says the name of the wind, um, which we'll get onto in a second. And then um, Elodin, essentially, you know, who has sponsored him, takes him outside of um, outside of the, the the master librarian's window, like at night and like knocks on it, like from, you know, and he just, I love this scene. Like he just opens and he's like, "Oh, hello, Elodin." <laughs> like, I, like he's expected to be there. Um, <laughs> and he's like, "I, you know, you're keeping my Raylar out of the out of the archives." And he's like, "Well, I was going to do it for a year and a day." And he's like, "Oh, how very traditional." No, he needs to. He needs. He needs to study. So let him in. Um, but it's this really funny scene. It's like pitch black in the middle of the night, and he's just knocking on the window of this of this dude. Anyway, um, it's fun. But yeah, so I mean, that's why that's why he's at the university to learn, and he's banned from the place where he thinks he can learn the information that he wants. Yeah. Um, the story most... of the book is an overall setup to what's going on. He, he he's getting into the fishery. He's learning how to do oh, fisheries where they, they do artificing, so they create magical objects through yeah. uh, sort of a an engraved sympathy. Yes. Um, which is a sweet system and that runic magic is really interesting. Um, and at, at, at the beginning of book, well, I say the beginning, what well, is the beginning? Cause the, the second book is like 1200 pages long. And the first few hundred pages becomes really, really important because it needs to make a gram, which is something to protect him that you have to do with this, this. Um, yeah. We're eating the book two yeah, stuff. We're supposed sorry. to talk about book one here. <laughs> um, but it's a really, really cool <laughs> skill. So he's doing that. He's doing the medica, the physical knowledge, and he's doing sympathy. Um, and that's sort of what he's focusing on because he was trying to do everything and he burns out. Um, so that's the limitation of his mind, but he's still like, you know, an amazing sympathist, an amazing artificer. And, in a, you know, his medical knowledge is is fine, but he doesn't seem to be like a star student. In yeah. That. We don't really hear much about it, actually. So characters, what we should, we should discuss briefly about Will and some Sam. important characters like um will and sim you don't have to go in depth about in depth yeah. about a lot of them but there's will and sim his best which friend. is his his best friends and they they're a big factor of driving him and helping him and mm -hmm. it's essentially one of his his major asset is, yeah. is this friendship that he has with these two and they're fun they're entertaining they're they're goofballs yeah. um i love a whole bunch of stuff i love a lot of their stuff and their scenes yeah, and everything pretty funny there is the um, the Jeremy of the book, aka Manette, the uh, perpetual student, <laughs> the forever student, his other <laughs> the forever student. Yeah, yeah. yeah. How, how long have you been in school, Jeremy? I, I mean, as long as he's been at the university, thirty years. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. you've been you've been going a long, long time. Yeah, I'm still going. It's great. It, that yeah. yeah. What when I picture Manette, I just see your face, but with gray hair. <laughs> Compliment, I'll take it. <laughs> um. And another strength of Rothfuss <laughs> is his ability to, for character development, because all these characters are such 
they're they're all different. There's nobody that's similar to another. Yeah. I, I haven't come across one character like, well, this character's just like this guy. Like, mm-hmm. no, everybody's drastically different. And yeah, and the secondary characters have a depth to them that that are great as well. Um like there's Mola in the in the in in the um the Medica. The Medica, thank you. Mola, who's like this, who's a, you know, training surgeon, healer person, um, who at first, you know, like actually is, you, you only get a few glimpses scenes with her in book one. But she's but actually, in book two, she has a great standout moment. And you're like, oh, cool. Yeah, nice. Um, but, you know, that's, that's, that's what it is. Um, uh, Fela? Fela. Fela um, yeah. is another yeah. one of those. Um, the most beautiful woman at the university who, you know, wants to bed Quoth, but he doesn't realize it. Yeah. Then he's into Denna. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, and he saves her life. And this is another thing that like, like he, um, he sort of, he takes this impulsive heroic action, not think, I mean, really just like, anyone would do this anyone would look out for you know somebody who's caught in the middle of this blazing inferno and i i just i saved her because that's what people would do um which is i think that's he he is a virtuous character in that way like he is looking out for the good of others um generally speaking is that maybe like ambrose um <laughs> mm-hmm. but um but Fe- yeah, Fela is, is a nice sort of secondary character as well, who um, yeah, gives him his cloak um, that he has with lots of pockets. <laughs> um, there is a character that I don't know how important they are yet, really. I, I know she is very important in book two. Um, she even gets her own novella written about her. Oh, Yes. This is your favorite character, I, I believe, am. right? I, is she? Yeah, she's great. Yeah, little Ari. Ari is Ari is a fan, like, and actually, what I really, really love about the whole interactions with Ari, so Ari is someone as well who has experienced, has experienced some sort of trauma. Um, yes, extreme. We don't know what, there's no, yeah. I, at least I haven't read the, the most beautifully named book. Um, <laughs> Uh, the slow regard of silent things he doesn't answer it there as well don't worry about okay we still Uh, don't know who but you get but you see the under thing which is sort of the 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 underneath the sewer system the sewer systems and well and ruins underneath the university and this is one of the things that i I think is really cool about the whole story and now we're getting into sort of themes moving beyond just third of the university um but the world is like it's it's um, so Matt, Matt Coville, the, the, the DM who does all those YouTube videos, um, and like really into Dungeons and Dragons, he talks about how D and D is an apocalyptic world, meaning there were greater empires in the past. There were greater magics in the past. There were all these things in the past. And today it's not as not, we're not as powerful because, because there'd be no other reason to go into these scary dungeons to find that sword or that thing if you could just make it. So we, you know, like the, the past was a past of grandeur and we're, we need to, we recover more things from the past than we can, than we can make more powerful things. And I think that the, the world that we see in Rothfuss's books here is very similar. It's like underneath the university, there are rooms of like huge machines and like, 
it, there's like, and he keeps going down and down and down. And there's like layers of history that he's going through in the, in the under thing that Ari eventually takes him into because of where, where she lives uh, in the sewers and these, in these places, in these spaces underneath the university. Um, and he like, and other moments of like the stories about the, uh, the Armir and these, and the stories about, um, you know, these ancient Kings and, the, the the great stone road that goes to nowhere like why is that road there you know the great bridge that goes from uh the the town of emir into the university like they can't rebuild but it's and it's been there for for longer than anyone can remember um so it's uh like it's an apocalyptic world and the past had more magic than the present which is which is really it's really interesting when those when when those things sort of come out. Um, so yeah. Again, that's not book one. <laughs> I side no, no, charge those this. So we're discussing Arya as a character. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, she's great. She's she's a little she is she's cracked, she's kooky, she is she's a lot like actually Eladin, who is the master namer. He's the he's the person who knows naming of all of the masters of the university. So He's kooky as well. And I think they're kooky for the same reason. And it's because they have peered into the names of things. And this is like one of the things with Ari. Like Quoth plays this game with her when like he brings her food to try to take care of her to make sure she's getting, you know, the things that she needs. And like, you know, he, he brings her this bottle of like really, you know, bready beer, like, you know, that has a lot of grains and, and stuff in it. And, you know, he's like, oh, this is, you know, this is a, you know, a beer pretending to be bread, you know, or, or <laughs> brings her some honey. And he's like, this is, you know, be, this is bees and sunshine. You know, he, he plays with like what things are and like tells stories about them. And she reciprocates this, you know, in kind. And it's this really interesting, like, especially with how naming works as we get, and that's more in book two. So I won't get into that, but um, it, you know, playing with seeing things uh, in the, you know, like, almost like the Alar, like you see things in the objective world, but you actually see into them with, with naming and with the way that Ari seems to move about the world. She, she sees into things. Um, and this actually comes out in the novella because the whole novella is happens right before she meets Quoth. And she meets Quoth because he is practicing his lute on the roofs of the university um, in this little courtyard that he's found that's like walled off by, you know, you can't get into it except by climbing, you know, climbing over the roofs. Um, and it's where she sort of has her little entrance gate into the sewer system. Um, but like the novella ends with her being like, he's coming soon. Um, you know, I'm going to, you know, it's going to be, you know, and, and he'll bring, uh, I haven't read it in years now, but anyway, but then like he, and then she hears him like playing the lute and that's when she goes to the surface. So like there's a, she has a sense of the world that is, that is magical and mm -hmm. it's really, it's really interesting. She's a great character. I could go on. Or we had time wise. We're 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 in the, we're in the hour mark here. <laughs> Just, um, so we'll, we'll be wrapping it up soon. But anything else we want to like bring out from book There's one? There's so many 
things to address. I mean, there's so much to go. I think one thing that we do need to discuss about, and it's more about how well the book is written, and it's just the scene where he gets his pipes. Oh, yeah. Uh, It's it's my favorite scene in the entire book. I love it. It is just a, a fun, elegant piece of it. Where he goes to the Olin, the Eolin, yeah, the Eolin. Yep, which is like the um, a musicians concert hall bar place slash place, and it's well reputed. And if you perform there, and the the owners view you as talented enough, you get pipes, and that's like your your badge of honor that will get yeah. you jobs and blah, blah blah. Like this is a big thing, and just the the way of he the way that he earns these pipes and there's another scene in book two that um of him writing uh singing the one song that it's like um it i think his dad calls it the most difficult song for someone with seven fingers or something like that um uh yeah the most difficult song written for someone with 15 fingers yes (laughs) and he, he plays that song and that's another just a great thing and it shows us again about his skill with the music and everything and the character's love for music is really just endearing through the whole thing i mean mm-hmm. i want to learn the loot now i mean it's just it, it's fantastic um but he sings a a sad song it's like um, one Sabian of like... and uh, uh aloni yeah Alo- uh, yeah, yeah I, I can't say the other name um and it's like so the, in in the in the past history, and again, this is an apocalyptic sort of style of the world. There was a great bard, and this is like the greatest bard's greatest song, but mm. it's a duet, and so he needs someone out. Like he's going to sing the male part, and then the hopes wait. of somebody picking up the female part. <laughs> exactly. Um, and he does this. Yeah, he does this, and it's such a a great thing is the way that he describes the song mm-hmm. of what's happening. It just flows. I mean, you almost can hear it. it. It's you feel the song itself while it's just being written. I'm reading about this song and I can just feel it. Yeah. And then what I mean, and this is like where he brings in his past story. Like he's, he's finishing, he's like coming to like the, the climax end of this song. And one of his loot strings breaks. Pauses for a minute. Well, gets his wits about himself. It, no, it's like it's a it's a second or two. Like he he describes like you know the whole world is you know suspended and whatnot. But then like the owner comes up to him afterwards and like was like you know or no the guy who wants to be his patron but can't be. Yeah. Therap. Anyway, doesn't yeah. Yeah, Trey person like that. Yeah, but uh, he um he he you know he stares at it and then he keeps going because he's taught himself how to play the lute with you know with with six strings with six strings um and it's such a big thing that just even the way that to the character the, the string breaking he it describes his world just ending at that point it's like every hope he has it, it's all just falling apart he's given his last talent in order to audition for these pipes and everything like this is everything talent is the little money it's the coin yeah it's the money like it's a it's a big thing of money um it's a lot of money but he he gives his last one and it just crumbles in that part he just feels it falls apart and 
he describes the audience about them just being wrapped up in the song and how they're now being disconnected and he's starting to lose them because yeah. of this moment of separation and everything. Um, and then he describes him picking back up with those six strings and going at it and just drawing them back in and everything. Yeah. It, it's just so beautiful. It, it It's so well done. Yeah. And um, then he, so uh, two things from that as well that are really important. Like, like it's Ambrose who breaks the string with sympathy and he discovers this. Yep. Uh, which again, like bring, you know, there antagonizes their relationship. And the woman who has joined in his song is. Of course, Dana. is Dena. So. I mean, again, of course. Furthers I mean, their relationship. <laughs> exactly. So. Um, My favorite yeah, part yeah, is it's still. It's an absolutely beautiful moment. And. Uh, yeah. It's great afterwards when he's walking up to Willem and uh, Simon, and Simon's just a mess. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he's all in tears. Yeah. And he's just falling apart. And the character has to. We we don't have that nowadays. We we don't. I I can't think of a song I've heard and then was moved that deeply. Like it's that type of thing doesn't happen, and it's. I mean, it could be just because I'm not. I don't understand music like some people, but I mean, yeah, it, it, it's a, it's a, it's just a great thing because I, I see what music can do to people, mm -hmm. and it's it's something that I don't understand because I'm not that into music like to that degree. Um, but I think it, it, it's it? just I was moved by the words and what yeah. the song could be, <laughs> like it's. <laughs> I think the closest thing in terms of music that we might get to today, and this is going to sound a bit bizarre at first, but is opera. Um, because it's yeah. not just music, but it's also, it's also the, the, the story that is being told, um, mm. you know, in the singing. Um, it's not, it's not, it's not opera, you know, but no. it, I think opera might be the closest sort of thing. Yeah. Or like you know classical, classical music that has that has, you know, singing. Not all of it does, but um, yeah. But uh, and the book goes uh, from there. It goes its typical routes. It just explains his time in the university. We got a lot of fun stories. But he was almost murdered, and that builds up that mm -hmm. uh that backstory and that myth yeah. for him about calling down fire and thunder and scaring away his. Yeah would be attackers i think the last um, thing to say potentially like you know is like yeah um is we we come out of the story every now and again into the present yes and, like and there's one part where like you know like somebody like the chronicler asks or you know or, or ambassador like telling quoth stories and then like one of the townspeople is like no no you've gotten it wrong this is how it was and you like hear how it's been received but because he's been telling the story, like the reader knows like, oh, okay, that's what happened. And this is how people have received it and whatnot. So you see the differences, you know, that have happened with, with, with the stories. Um, and it's really, it's really interesting that, that bit and that coming back, you know, coming back into the present every now and again um, to remind and Those us, scenes are, are great i mean most yeah. of the time when people have done that it, it separates you from the overall story yeah you're throwing back and forth in between different timelines and everything but i really enjoyed whenever that happens because you get to you get to 
more imagery of what is going to be. Yeah. Um, and where we're and where we're headed. Like we have to remember yeah. that this this hero that we're seeing develop and have all these great adventures and learn all this stuff and be really amazing is now just a, a piece of what he once was. As a broken innkeeper in this tiny village hiding for his life. I mean it's hard like yes, but like he's also waiting to die. So he, he's just existing. He he is he is at that state again where he was a boy after the murder of his family. He is yeah. just existing. He's on autopilot. He's just and like and actually this then maybe this is the great place to close because the book closes with with Bast revealing to the chronicler, I brought you here. I you know you and I, he saves his life because this demon enters the bar. Or like this guy who's been possessed by a, a skin a, a skinwalker, which is a type of type of demon or type of fae. That then they kill and Bass saves the chronicler, you know, from it and whatnot. And so, like he says to him, like you know, I brought you here. I've saved your life. I, you know, I own you three ways or something like that. So you will do what I want you to do, and I want you to wake him up. Like you know, Bast, the student, is trying to get Quoth to become the man he used to be before whatever happened happened. And there, and we that right there also tells us about a little thing with the Fey about the I've saved you three times or earlier in the book when the guy thinks he recognizes Quoth, he pulls Bath to the Bast off to the side and goes, "Hear me three times," as it means like, "Hey, pay attention. This is what I want you to do." Um, and that that's a fun little Fey mm-hmm. thing. I'm I'm guessing that's a Fey thing, or, just, um, or or a world thing that may be both Fey and 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 normal normal world okay. stuff. Um, yeah, there's so many questions still to come and everything like that. We, we don't know what's in the thrice locked chest upstairs. Oh, yeah. yeah, there's a thrice locked chest. <laughs> there's just so many little things like this, and you're just like, oh, yeah, that's a thing. Like, it, it's yeah. it's overwhelming. Yep. Um, and the it's exciting if we finally get the answers. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, it's, it's a great book. 10 out of 10. It's if you. I've listened to this whole thing. You got an abundance of spoilers. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, But even then with us just rambling on, like we have um, there still is more than enough reason to still dive into this book and just read it. If you haven't read it before, because there's a lot we have not touched on. There's a tons of stuff we haven't touched on and just the story itself. There's no boring chapters to me. Yeah. There's no chapter where rereading the book and like I could just skip this. I know what happens. It's fine. I can skip it. What I want to read it all again. Every little thing, every little adventure is fun. It is entertaining. It develops the story and the characters in every little bit of the way. There is such a huge story that he's trying to cram into three books. He's really limited himself by giving himself three books to write all this. And he's cramming every single page with important stuff. Um, nothing is wasted. Yeah, and it it's great. It, it it really is great, and he needs to just, just get it done. Like it, it's <laughs> you, you can't you can't start you can't end the Sistine Chapel with only half the ceiling done. Like you you got to get going. Like it's just you got to wrap. Got to draw Adam's dick. Come on, <laughs> you, you just you need it. <laughs> you need it in all of its glory. Uh, <laughs> Man, but man, this this is this is 
easily one of my top five favorite books. It is a, 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 a beautiful work of art. I liked it so much. I, 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 I reread it all. And then I started the next one just, just because I wanted to. I really want going. to start the next one, but we have other books to discuss and things I'm going to have to read. And it took me so long to get around to fin- finishing this one. And I'm like, Oh crap. I cannot afford the time yeah. to get into wise men's sphere. So wise men's sphere. It's great. Maybe down the road, we'll do a pod on that one. Um, I do a solo uh, pod, solo pod on Wise and Spear. Little little side, little side thing. We could as like a filler one week. I don't know. There's so many things we want to get into with literature as a whole, but we we started this podcast of ours a little with a little biggie. I mean, it was a. I mean, both 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 Ender's Game and this one were very ambitious. And yes, we they they were about definitely. That. So we so, should do a, we should do a boring one next. time. We should, should, yeah. We should do. Um, I, I guess we'll do foundation next. <laughs> foundation. Foundation by Isaac Asimov. I guess we'll we'll tackle that one next. That you, you agree with that one? That was on the docket, right? Yeah, it is on the docket. It's and it'll be good to do. We've done. Well, it'll be a sci-fi, fantasy, sci-fi. That's fine. Cool. Yeah, that works. So we'll we'll tackle that one next and see how that one goes. That's a quick one. That's an easy one. We can discuss the series as a whole if we want to, even because every book of that is thin and simple um but yeah next time we'll be foundation thanks for listening um yeah thanks for sticking with us this long about our pointless ramblings you know like subscribe review whatever people do these days i mean do we even have that with ours like i don't even yeah yeah. (laughs) you can follow us on apple podcasts or or um spotify um or anchor that's because that's our 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 pot our um, platform but um yeah, let, yeah let whatever. You You'll think. find us places, whatever. Yeah. Let us know what you think. And also, if you have any books that you want us to review, let us know. Yeah, that'd be a thing. So, all right. Signing off? I can't think of a, a good way to end this in regards to... Until... Where, where are some until, of those? Goodbye. I got it. Until our next story. You hate it. All right, we're done. I think that's fine. Whatever. <laughs>